Good afternoon, brethren, and uh, happy Sabbath. I believe you are going on well with your Sabbath uh, services. This wonderful afternoon, we want to do a chapter analysis. We are going to do an analysis of great controversy, chapter number one, which talks about the destruction of Jerusalem. That is what we are going to do. Our key text for this analysis is the book of Luke, chapter number 19, verse number 41 to 44. Luke 19, 41 to 44. The word of the Lord says this, And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadest known, even thou, at least in this day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. Verse 43, For the days shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee with, with the ground, and thy children within thee, and they shall not live in thee one stone upon another, because thou knowest not the time of thy visitation. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this blessed Sabbath. We thank you for the blessing of the experience that you give us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father. This wonderful time as we enter upon this study, we ask of you that may you open our understanding, Heavenly Father. As you promised, Father God, to lead us into cistern, Father God, whereby we might drink of the water of life that shall lead us, shall help us attain everlasting life, Heavenly Father. We ask of you, Heavenly Father, that may we drink, Father God, from your well, Father God, that never dries, Heavenly Father. For as you said at the woman, to the woman at the well, Heavenly Father, that whoever drinks of it shall attain everlasting life, Heavenly Father. Heavenly God, this wonderful afternoon, as we enter this study, may you help us through this stream, Heavenly Father. May you keep each and everything, uh, keep each and everything well and in order, Heavenly Father, through the ministry, your ministry, Heavenly Father. Be with us now and forevermore. In the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray and believe. Amen. Now, we have read Luke chapter number 19, verse number 41 to 42. We are doing a chapter analysis of the great, great controversy. We are doing a chapter analysis of chapter. And we have just read from uh, Luke chapter number 19. Uh, as we let us begin with the, with the very last paragraph that is on page 38, which says, The world is no more ready to credit the message for this time than were the Jews to receive the Savior's warning concerning Jerusalem. So, in the destruction of Jerusalem, or prior to the destruction of Jerusalem, Jesus Christ had warned them back then that he shall be destroyed. And he says very well that they were not ready to credit the message for that time. And just like they were not ready to credit the message for that time, so is the world today no more ready to credit the message for this time than were the Jews to receive the Savior's warning concerning Jerusalem. Come when it may, the day of God will come unawares to the ungodly. Come what it may, the day of the Lord will come unawares to the ungodly. Do you want the day of the Lord not to come upon you unawares? Yes. Then you must be a godly person. He says, when life is going on in its unvarying rounds, when life is normal, when life is usual, when, 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 when the, the normal rounds of, of life are going on, it says, when men are absorbed in pleasure, in business, in traffic, in money making, when religious leaders are magnifying the world's progress and enlightenment. And by the way, <laughs> from, this, from this verse, we have got uh, a good number, a good chunk of the religious leaders today. They are, they are, they are very clueless folks because it says here that, when, uh, uh, when, when religious leaders are magnifying the world's progress and enlightenment, and very many religious leaders today, 
They don't know what concerns them. They don't know what, what belongs to their peace. All that they, they are about doing is magnifying the world's progress and enlightenment. So it says here, and the people are lulled in a false security. Then as the midnight thief steals with the unguarded dwelling, so shall the sudden destruction come upon the careless and ungodly. So why are we doing this chapter analysis? So that at least it can give us a clue of how we can be able to overcome or we can be able to be guarded. We can be able to be guarded in our dwelling so that Christ, when he careless and ungodly. So do you want at the coming of Christ so that he can find you ready? You need not to be careless. You need not to be chapter analysis, which and explain uh, why we have, we, have, we have read that. In Great Controversy chapter 1, it begins with the very text that we have read, the book of Luke 19, 42, whereby it says, If thou hadest known even thou, at least in this day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side. And they shall lay thee with the ground, and thy children with thee, and they shall not live upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Christ had warned about the coming destruction of Jerusalem, the Jerusalem city. He had warned, and it is a shrill sun. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. Look at here. Look at things here. The sin that was it was uh, when he when he, when he looked upon uh, upon upon Jerusalem, it was fair and peaceful. He says, and the sin spread out before him. It was the sin of Passover, and from all lands the children of Jacob had gathered. Look at look at this condition. I'm sure if you're in Jerusalem and, and this was the condition, you will not have imagined that a destruction was coming. But remember, the destruction was coming just as Christ, Christ had said. Now, they, they were in the burden of weighing, of choosing the words of Christ and what they see. There's always danger of going by what you see but not depending upon the word of God. Remember the book of Psalm 48, as it has said, it says that beautiful situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. And this is what had occupied the minds of the dwellers back then. They saw it is, it is Jerusalem is beauty for situation. Jerusalem is the joy of the whole earth, is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. That is what was in their mind. But when Christ looked, what he was seeing was what was written in the book of Luke 19, 42, 44, whereby a time shall come, whereby that very city, which looked, which looked fair, which, 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 which at that time, uh, when, when, they, when, when, when they looked at it, it's, 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 uh, when it spread out be, before them, and given that it was the, the, it was the season of Passover, and, in, in, and from all the lands the children of Jacob had, 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 gathered, had, had gathered there to celebrate the great national feast, uh, we know very well that uh, everybody, uh, a good number of people there who are, no, who are not godly, uh, they, 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 in their minds what was ringing was, they sit as a queen, they shall see no sorrow, as lovely then, and deeming herself as secure in heaven's favor, as when ages before the royal minstrel sang, and we have, we have read that. So that was the condition of the people in Jerusalem. They did not see, they were in a false sense of security, the way we have read in the very last paragraph. They were in a false sense of security, and they were saying that, ah, we shall see no sorrow. But in their false sense of security, they were losing sense, they were not making sense of the word of Jesus Christ, which had, which had prefigured a time which will come, whereby Jerusalem will have been destroyed. So it says, uh, it says, uh, the rays of the setting sun lighted upon the snowy whiteness of its marble walls and gleamed from the golden gate and tower and pinnacle. The, 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 it says the rays of the setting sun, the sun was setting, which means it was an evening. When the sun was, was, was setting, it lighted upon the snowy whiteness of its marble walls. Jerusalem was made of, mar uh, it had marble walls. And when the sun shone upon them, it, it gleamed from, it, 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 it gleamed from, from golden gate and tower and, and pinnacle. 
But when, when they saw all this glamour, the dwellers of Jerusalem, they could not make sense of the words of Jesus Christ because of the glamour that, that they could see. He says that the perfection of beauty, it stood the pride of Jewish nation. What child of Israel could gaze upon the scene without a thrill of joy and admiration? When they gazed upon Jerusalem, when the children of Israel, they gazed upon the scenes that was, was before them. He says what child of Israel could gaze upon the scene without a thrill of joy and admiration? And the, 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 same, the same way, many people today when they gaze upon the world, they look at, at, the, at, the, at the skycrapers. They look at the beautiful walls in the, in, in, that, are, that have been used to make the, 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 build, the, 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 uh, the buildings in the cities. They look at their, their beautiful houses. They look at their, at their big houses. They look at, uh, at the normal rounds of business that go on in the world. The same condition might apply. What child of Israel or what person in the world today who gazes upon this scene Without a thrill of joy and admiration, what child of what person in the world today can gaze upon the scene without a thrill of joy and fall into a false sense of security? So yeah, these people, when they saw Jerusalem, it says that what child of Israel could gaze upon the scene without a thrill of joy and admiration? But far other thoughts occupied the mind of Jesus, while they were filled with with with, with joy, while they, they were filled with admiration because of the of the beauty, because it was beautiful situation. Because they saw it as the joy of the whole earth. And that's why, as the minister sang, beautiful observation and joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion. When the dwellers of Israel look at, at Jerusalem, they saw nothing else but, but its beauty and its glamour. But here, great controversy says, but, but far other thoughts occupied the mind of Jesus. It's very sad to be in a situation whereby what occupies your thoughts is different from what occupies the thoughts of Jesus. And as we have said, that is the condition of the world today. Whereby far other thoughts occupy the minds of men other than those that occupy the minds of Jesus. It's very sad when you're in a Christian condition whereby the things that are in your mind are far much removed from the things that Christ thinks about you. He says, when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. Maybe you are a Christian, you are living at a point whereby you, you see as if everything is okay. You see as if everything is going on in its normal rounds. And no thoughts of seeking Jesus occupy your mind. Might Jesus be weeping for you? Because when these people were in that condition, when they were far removed from, from the prophecy that he was giving them, he says in Luke 19.41, let us read Luke 19.41, which says, And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. There are very many of us today who Christ is weeping over us. While we are occupied with the glamour that is in the world, while our, our mind is, is, is stuck with the things and the glory of the world, Christ looks at, looks, looks at us and he weeps over us. He weeps over us because our, our thoughts are far much removed from the prophecies about his second, his, second, his second coming. So it says here that when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. Amidst the universal rejoicing of the triumphal entry with palm and branches waved, with glad hosannas awoke the echoes of the hills, and thousands of voices declared him the king, the world's redeemer, was overwhelmed with a sudden and mysterious sorrow. These people, look at their condition. He says, amidst the universal rejoicing of the triumphal entry, with palm branches waved. There are very many today in the Christian world who are rejoicing about Christ. They are rejoicing about Christ, but there is something in their life that is different 
from from their from their from their mouth, from the what they utter in their mouth. They only have a mouth religion, but a heart religion they don't have. The reason why the Jerusalem was destroyed was because of the sins. Their, their sins had filled the cup the cup of wrath. And the same way you find these sins repeated in these in this earth today, whereby amid is the universal rejoicing that we see. Amid is the universal rejo- rejoicing. We see people wave 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 palms. People have palm Sundays and all the rest. But what do these rejoicing translate to? Do they translate to a character that is ready to receive Jesus Christ? So it was in Jerusalem, it says, when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. He wept over you. Because he wept over it because of the condition that they were, they were, they were, they were, they were in. He beheld the city. It says he beheld the city and wept over it. Now it says here again uh, in the book of, uh, uh, it continues in great controversy and says that amid the universal rejoicing of the triumphal entry, while with, while plant branches waved, while glad hosannas awoke the echoes of the hill, and thousands of voices declared him king's world, Redeemer was overwhelmed with a sudden and mysterious sorrows. He was overwhelmed with a sudden and mysterious sorrow. Might, that, might this be your condition? Are you in a condition whereby when Christ looks over you, he is overwhelmed with a sudden and mysterious sorrow, sorrow, maybe because of your condition, or maybe because the things that he has told you in his eyes is hid from you. It says, He, the Son of God, the promised one of Israel, whose power had conquered death and called his captives from the grave, was in tears, not of ordinary grief, but of intense, irrepressible agony. He was in agony because of the condition of Jerusalem. He was in agony because of the lost condition of these dwellers of the city, because all that occupied their minds was the glamour of Jerusalem. Whenever you are occupied with other things, other than the things of heaven, Christ, Christ looks at you and he weeps over you in all, no ordinary grief, but with intense and irrepressible agony. That was the condition of Jerusalem. And that points the condition that the people in the world today are in. It continues and says that his tears were not for himself, though he knew whither his feet were tending. Before him lay Gethsemane, the scene of his approaching agony. Inasmuch as he was approaching the, the, the scene of his approaching agony, when Christ was weeping over Jerusalem, he says, his tears were not for himself. He says, the sheep gate also was in sight. Though for centuries the victims of, uh, for sacrifice had been led and which was, or was to open for him when he should be brought, uh, 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 brought as the lamb of slaughter. That is Isaiah 53 verse 7. Not far distance was Calvary, the place of crucifixion. While Christ was talking, not far distance was Calvary, the place whereby he would have been crucified. But those sins, those sins, in as much as they were before him, he was weighed far much with the condition that the Israelites were in. It continues and says, Upon the path which Christ was soon to tread, must fall the horror of great darkness, as he should make his soul an offering for sin. Yet, it was not the contemplation of the sins that cast the shadow upon him in his hour of gladness, no foreboding of his own superhuman anguish clouded that unselfish spirit. He wept for the doomed thousands of Jerusalem because of the blindness and impertinence of those whom he came to bless and to save. When Christ wept, he wept over the doomed thousands of, uh, of, 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 thousands of Jerusalem. Why did he weep over them? Because of their blindness, because of their, of their impertinence. How long will Christ weep over you because of your blindness? How long will Christ weep over you because of your impertinence? We know very well that he wept for that city 
as we have read uh, in the book of Luke chapter number 19, verse number 42, whereby he was telling them that a destruction is coming. But they were so blind. They were so impenitent. And when Christ was weeping, he was weeping over their blindness and their impenitence. We know very well from the prophecies, if you read the prophecies, that a, a similar destruction is coming upon this world. But many of us, we are so blind, we are so impenitent. Christ is weeping over us. For how long will he weep over you because of your blindness? It continues to say this as we continue to read in Great Controversy, the chapter analysis that we are doing. It says that Jerusalem had been honored of God above all the earth. The way, the way people who are called by laws, them, they have been honored of God above all the earth. The same way Jerusalem had been honored of God above all the earth. The Lord had chosen Zion. He had desired it for his habitation. How many times have you read the word of God that Christ needs to abide, to abide in you? Many of us, he has chosen us individually. Remember when he chooses us, he chooses us, he chooses us as if no other person is living upon this earth. He desires to abide in our hearts. He says Jerusalem had been honored of God above all the earth. The Lord had chosen Zion. He had desired it for his habitation. There, where? In Jerusalem. For ages, holy prophets had uttered their message of warning. There, priests had waved their censers and the clouds of incense with the prayers of the worshippers and ascended before God. There, daily, the blood of the slain lambs had been offered, pointing forward to the Lamb of God. There in Jerusalem, Jehovah had revealed his presence in the cloud of glory above the mercy seat. There again, they arrested the base of that mystic ladder connecting earth with heaven. Look at how blessed Jerusalem was. That ladder upon which angels of God descended and ascended and which opened to the world the way into the holiest of all. Again, uh, we, 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 we find very well that had Israel as a nation preserved her allegiance to heaven, Jerusalem would have stood forever as the elect of God. Brethren, you can only stand forever as the elect of God if you preserve your allegiance to God. But please learn from the, from the story of Jerusalem. Please learn from the story of the destruction of Jerusalem, whereby they had been warned. And had they preserved their allegiance to God, they would have stood forever. Then this verse, which says that a beautiful frustration, the joy of the whole world is Mount Zion, the city of the great king, would have found a perfect fulfillment. This verse, which says the perfection of beauty, uh, the perfection of beauty, which, which was supposed to be Jerusalem, it would have been fulfilled to the latter. It would have been stood there for ages. It says that had Israel as a nation preserved our allegiance to heaven, Jerusalem would have stood forever the elect of God. If you preserve your allegiance to God, you will stand forever as elect of God. Then it says, But the history of that favor people was a record of backsliding and rebellion. Inasmuch as Christ himself had chosen them, Christ himself had desired to dwell in, in, in that city. What did he meet? He only met backsliding. Not only did he meet backsliding, but he met perpetual backsliding and rebellion. And many times, Christ has chosen us individually as if we are the only person who is living upon the earth. He has chosen us. He desires to abide in our hearts. But what happens? He is only met with perpetual backsliding and rebellion. They had resisted heaven's grace, abused their privileges, and slighted their opportunities. Many of us, how many times have you resisted heaven's grace? Heaven's grace, you have resisted. We have resisted. How many times have you abused their privileges? Look at this. The dwellers of that city, not only did they resist heaven's grace, but it says that they abused their privileges and they slighted their opportunities. Brethren, in this path of Christianity, there are, there, are, there are things which are not worthy to be abused. 
There are opportunities which are not worthy to be slighted. We must be men of opportunity the way Nehemiah was a man of opportunity. It says this, that though Israel had mocked the messengers of God, that is 2 Chronicles 36, 16. 2 Chronicles 36, 16 gives us a description of the character of, of, of Israel. 2 Chronicles 36, 16 gives us a character of, of, of this people, gives us a, gives us a type, of, uh, give us, gives us a character of, of these people, a character that they held, that they, that, that they, stayed, they stayed in for ages. Now, uh, in the book of 2 Chronicles 36, 16, we get a transgression of the rulers of the people, which says from verse number 14, and this was the scene of Jerusalem. It says, Moreover, all the chief of the priests and the people transgressed very much after all the abominations. Not only were the people in transgression, but the chief priests also. And in the world today, not only are the members, the flock, the sheep in transgression, but a good number of religious leaders together with their sheep are in transgression. And many are in transgression because they are followed after the blind, the blind, the blind leaders. He says this, he says, uh, uh, Moreover, all the chief priests and the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen and polluted the house of the Lord, which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. Verse 15, And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes, and sending because he had compassion on his people. God had compassion on his people. Inasmuch as they were in transgression, he is a compassionate God. He says he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling. Verse 16, but they mocked. They mocked his compassion. The same way today, a good number of us, we mock the compassion of God. We despise his graces. We send away his, his word. He says, but they mocked the messengers of God and despised his word. When messengers were sent to them, they mocked them. How many of us today, messengers of God, have been sent to us to tell us that let us arise and, and uh, let us arise into active Christianity. Let us arise and stand on our feet in Christianity because a destruction is coming upon this earth. But many of us, we will mock these messengers of God. Not only they mock the messengers of God, but they despise the word. A good number of Christians today, we despise his words. We despise the words of God that comes to us. The people of Jerusalem, they misused his prophets. They misused his prophets when prophets were sent to them, rising up early in the morning to go and warn them about, uh, about their condition. They misused it. And that is the same sin that many of us today are in. When the, word, when the messengers of God rise up early to give us a warning, we despise the word and we misuse those prophets. He says, until the wrath of the Lord arose against his, against his people, till there was no more remedy. It will be very sad, brethren, because there comes a time Whereby, if you continue to mock his messengers, if you continue to despise his words, if you continue to misuse his prophets, there comes a time whereby there will be no remedy. There will be no remedy. Please make hay while the sun shines. So it says here that although Israel had mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and misused his prophets, he had still manifested himself to them. That is a loving God. Imagine... Someone, you, you want to manifest yourself to someone, but that person despises you, he mocks you, he abuses you. As man, what will you do? You'll say, I'm turning back and never will you see me again. But that is not Jesus Christ. He says that he had still manifested himself to them. Many of us, we have had a stubborn heart. Christ is fighting for us each and every day, but we are in constant rebellion. But because of his mercies, he has still given you chance. He has still given you a chance to hear him. He has still given you a chance so that you can 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 amend your ways. God is very good. 
There are some of us whom our life we have wasted it in sin. There are a good number of us whom our whole life since 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 our youthhood and our adulthood we have spent it in 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 useless things of this world. But still, God has given you a chance at least to be alive in this world to make a decision for Him. He says that He still manifested Himself to them. He had still manifested Himself to them as the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. God is long-suffering. There are many of us, there are some sins we have done that had God not been long-suffering, we will not maybe be alive to listen to His voice today and make and have a second chance. But because of His long-suffering, there are some heaven-daring sins that we have walked in. There are some bold sins that we have walked in that had God not been long-suffering, you will not have been alive in this world today. But today you are alive so that you can amend your ways. He says, With more than a father's pitying love for the son of his care, God had sent to them his messengers rising up betimes and sending because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. I think if you are a father, you'll understand this. Fathers can, are, are, are much more well-placed to understand this. That God had a, a love that was more than a father's pitying love. You see, fathers, they always have a pitying love. You see, a father is a father. A father is a father. No, no matter the condition of maybe his child, there's always that, that pitying love that a father will always have for his, for his children. But here God says that, uh, 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 inspiration says that the love that God had for Israel was more than that of a father's pitying love for their children. If you're a father, you will understand that. Many times you, you look at your child and there's that pitying love for the child, which is, which is characteristic of, of fathers. But those who do not have Christ in them, they don't have that pitying love. It's only for those who have Christ in them. It says that God has sent to them his messengers, rising up betimes. Inasmuch as they, they abused and despised and mocked, he sent to them. The Son of God himself, it's, it, it says this, uh, that when remonstrance, entreaty, and rebuke had failed. When remonstrance, and entreaty, and rebuke had failed, what did heaven do? He sent to them the best gift of heaven. After they mocked him, after they despised him, after they misused the prophets, what did heaven do? It sent the best gift of heaven. Nay, he poured out all heaven in that one gift. When Christ came upon the earth, all heaven was poured out in him. He was the gift of the world. And he was given after these people had even killed his prophet. God is long-suffering. God is long-suffering. They had killed his men. They had persecuted his men. But despite that, he gave them the best gift. <laughs> they served the best for the last. When remonstrance, entreaty, and rebuke had failed, he sent to them the best gift of heaven. Nay, he poured out all heaven in that one gift. The Son of God himself was sent to plead with the impetuous city. The prophets were sent, they killed them. Go and read Matthew 23, the whole account. The men of God rose up early and sent to them, they killed them. The Son of God Himself was sent to plead with the impenitent city. There are some of us whom Christ has, is as if Christ is on our case personally. <laughs> Christ is on our case personally. He has sent to us neighbors. He has sent to us friends. He has sent to us our parents. He has sent to us our sons and daughters. He has sent to us the church, but we are still in sin. Christ Himself, the Son of God Himself was sent to plead with the impenitent cities. It says, it was Christ that had brought Israel as a goodly vine out of Egypt. That is Psalm 8, verse number 8. His own hand has, had, has cast, had cast out the heathen before it, 
He had planted it in a very fruitful hill. His guardian care had hedged it about. He had a guardian care upon Jerusalem. His servants had sent had, his servants had been sent to nurture it. What could have been done more to my vineyard? That is Isaiah 5, verse number 1 to 4. Go and read the book of Isaiah uh, uh, 5, verse number 1 to 4. Uh, whereby uh, the account of the of the vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard? He exclaims that I have not done in it. What could have been done more to you that has not been done to you? You who is still in sin. What could have been done? Have you not heard the messages of God? Have you not had preachers arising in the morning and even in the streets preaching you, preaching to you to come to Christ? What more could have been done that has not been done to you? Jerusalem. Remember we are studying about the destruction of Jerusalem. What more could have been done to Jerusalem that was not done? It says, Though when he looked that it should bring forth grapes, it brought forth wild grapes, yet with, still, with, with, a, yearn, with, with a still yearning hope, hope of fruit, fruit, fruitlessness, he came in person to his vineyard. If haply it might be said for destruction, there are some of us, everything has been done to us. In this world, what has not been done to this world? What has not been done to this world? We have seen the, the tender masses of God. Even though more is still coming, the loud cry is coming. And this loud cry is coming because men are still persistent in sin. He says this, he came in person to his vineyard. If haply, there are many of us whom, in as much as we have been preached, Christ will still come to us, manifest himself to us in various ways, just in case we might be saved. Just in case we might be saved. Maybe some of us, who will have been long dead, we will have been in the grave. But out of his mercy, he extended your life just in case you might meet him at some point in your life. That is how merciful heaven is. Some of us, we have lived a very wasted life. Maybe we would have died in the bus. Maybe we would have died in the brothels. Maybe we would have died in the sins of crime. But today you are alive just in case Christ is, is merciful to you, just in case if happily you might be saved from destruction. Jerusalem, all this had been done. He digged about his vine. He pruned and cherished it. He was unwearied in his efforts to save his vine of his own planting. Brethren, he did it all to Jerusalem. Remember, we are studying about the destruction of Jerusalem. Having done all, still they were blind. And they decided they had chose to stay in their sin. Though rewarded with evil for good and hatred for his own love, he had steadfastly pursued his mission of mercy. That is God, long-suffering God. Though he had been rewarded evil with good, evil for good, he had been rewarded with evil for good, but still he pursued his mission of mercy, hated for his love. That is God. There are many of us whom God has sent to us the message of salvation, but we have rewarded with evil for good by despising it, by abusing it, by rejecting it. But still he is speaking to you, he is saying, maybe you are still alive today so that you can receive Christ. Maybe you will have been long gone in that accident. Maybe you will have been long gone with that disease, chronic disease. But you are saved from that chronic disease to give you a second chance to receive him. If happily, you might be saved. There are many of us whom we are alive because of his masses. Because of his masses. It says that uh, a homeless wanderer, reproach and, 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 and penury, his daily lot, he lived to minister to the needs of the enlightened, the woes of men, to plead with them to accept the gift of life. The waves of mercy beaten back by those stubborn hearts returned in a stronger tide of pitying inexpressible love. That was Jesus Christ. That was heaven. 
Those waves of mercy, they're always beaten back by the stubborn hearts of men. But they return in a stronger tide of beating, beating and inexpressible love. How many years have you rejected the word of God, but still he is merciful to send you back the word, if happily you might choose him. But look at this condition. The hour of hope and pardon was first passing. Upon Jerusalem, the hour of hope and pardon was first passing. Many of us, the hour of hope and pardon is first passing. The cup of God's long deferred wrath was almost full. Many of us, our hour of hope is fast passing. Our days are being exhausted in this life. But what is our condition? It says, the hour of hope and pardon was fast passing. The cup of God's long deferred wrath was almost full. The cloud that had been gathering through ages of apostasy and rebellion, now black with who, was about to burst upon the guilty people. And he who alone could save them from their impending fate had been slighted abused, rejected, and was soon to be crucified. There are very many of us, we crucify Christ afresh the second time by our slighting the word, by our abuses, by our rejection. It says, When Christ should hang upon the cross of Calvary, Israel day as a nation favored and blessed will be ended. When they, he will hang as a cross, he's, he's, he says, Israel day as a nation favored and blessed of God will be ended. Israel ceased to be a nation of God when he hung on the cross. Let's read the book of Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. They had slighted the masses. Do we find these things in the world today? Yes. He says this in Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6 says this. Verse number 4. For it is impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. Brethren, it is dangerous to crucify Christ again the second time by our sin, by slighting the truth, even at, and more so for those who, are, who, who know the truth, who know very well that the life of this world is utter emptiness. It is, it is, it is, it is all vanity. Who know very well that the life in the bus is vanity? Who know very well that the life of adultery is a life of groaning and a life of sin and a life of trouble? But the men of God have told you this time and again. You have tasted of the goodness that comes with living a righteous and a pure life, but you slight that. There comes a time whereby it will be impossible to redeem you. It says this, that the loss of of even one soul is a calamity. The loss of even one soul, when someone dies in sin, maybe because of drinking in the bus, the whole heaven mourns. When someone dies unprepared, the whole heaven mourns. He says the loss of even one soul is a calamity, infinitely outweighing the gains and treasures of this world. Imagine, gather the treasures of this world, all the treasures and its gains. You cannot compare them to the loss of a soul which is unprepared. You can see how much Havoc you cause when you choose a path of destruction. He says, But as Christ looked upon Jerusalem, the doom of the whole city, a whole nation, as before him, that city, that nation, which had once been... Okay, let us take that again. The loss of even one soul is a calamity, infinitely outweighing the gains and treasures of the world. But as Christ looked upon Jerusalem, the doom of a whole city, a whole nation, was before him. That city, that nation, which had once been the chosen of God, his peculiar treasure. 
heaven had done it all. The same way, many of us, heaven has done it all for us. It continues and says this, He beheld the destroying angel with a sword uplifted against the city, which had so long been Jehovah's dwelling place. From the regions of Olivet, the very spot afterward occupied by Titus and his army, he looked across the valley upon the sacred courts and, 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 and porticos. With tear-dimmed eyes, he saw in awful perspective the wall surrounded by alien hosts. There are some of us whom, in our sinful life, Christ, when he looks at us, he looks at us with tearful eyes because he foresees our, our lost condition. He foresees a time whereby we will have passed our line of probation and enter into the, the, the line of, of, of wrath. But Christ today is doing it all. While you are still alive to listen to such voices, it's because Christ has given you that opportunity to amend your ways. It says, He heard the voice of mothers and children crying for bread in the besieged city. He saw their holy and beautiful house her palaces and towers given to the flames, and where once they stood only a heap of smoldering ruins. And these things will repeat again. When Christ sees us, he also sees ahead. He knows very well that when he sees this world, he knows that where those beautiful houses stand, he knows that where are those state houses, where are those palaces, where are those towers, where are those skycrappers, it comes a time whereby they shall be given to flames at the second coming. He says, and where once they stood, only a heap of smoldering ruins. There comes a time where you are sitting today, listening to this stream. There comes a time where you are, you are housed today. It will be given to smoldering ruins. Remember when Christ comes at the same time, whereby mountains shall be removed, where shall be, there shall be a great earthquake. This world will be in ruins. Christ sees that, and he tries to save us from that impending destruction. But many of us, we are of stubborn hearts. We shall see where destruction comes and what the devil uh, has uh, to do in it. It says, Looking down the edges, he saw the covenant people scattered in every land, like wrecks on a desert shore, in the temporal retribution about to fall upon our children. He saw but the first draft from the cup of the wrath, which at the final judgment she must drain of his dregs. Divine pity, yearning love, found utterance in the mournful words, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, Jerusalem, he saw the destruction that coming. He was he, he desired to save it, to save to save them from it. He desired to dwell in them, but they despised that they 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 beat back the waves of that divine mercy. Then he in, in then he says that divine pity, yearning love, found utterance in the mournful words. Look at these mournful words. Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets. Where 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 you mentioned Jerusalem? Put your name. Maybe say, Oh Benjamin, Benjamin. Maybe say, oh, Francis, Francis. Maybe say, oh, Polycarp, Polycarp. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye will not. How long will he, will he struggle to gather you, to save you, and to hide you in his, in his, in, in, in his secret place from the impending destruction? Oh, that thou, a nation favored above every other, hadest known the time of the vis hadest, hadest known the time of the visitation and the things that belong unto thy peace. I have stayed the angel of justice. I have called thee to repentance, but in vain. It is not merely servants, delegates, and prophets whom thou hast refused and rejected, but the Holy One of Israel, thy Redeemer. Look at these mournful words, and they find a fulfillment in a lot of us that he has called us to repentance, but in vain. It is not merely servants that he has sent. 
delegates, and prophets, but you have refused and rejected. But he has also sent the Holy One of Israel, thy Redeemer. If thou art destroyed, thou art responsible. If this world will be destroyed, it will be responsible. What has not been done to this world? If Christians will be lost, they will be responsible for their lost condition. What has not been done to them? If you, you will be lost. You, who is listening, or you, who, is, who will watch. If you will be lost, it will be, you will be fully responsible because what has not been done to you? You have been given life. And as you have said, maybe you will have been long dead, but you have been given life to amend your ways. Some of us, we are, we are almost approaching our grave. And, 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 and we, 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 we are still, we are, we are very old, we are, we are up, up approaching our grave. But God has given you strength in, in that weakness so that you might amend your ways and die peacefully. <laughs> but still we slight that. Christ saw in Jerusalem a symbol of the world hardened in unbelief and rebellion. Now start, we start seeing the applications now. Christ saw in Jerusalem a symbol of the world hardened in unbelief and rebellion and hastening to meet the retributive judgments of God. And this world, just like Jerusalem today, it is hardened in unbelief and in rebellion, and it is hastening on to meet retributive judgment. The woes of a fallen race pressing upon his soul forced his lips that exceeding bitter cry. He saw the record of sin traced in misery. Record of sin traced in human misery. Whenever there is human misery, there is always a record of sin. Tears and blood. His heart was moved with infinite pity for the afflicted and suffering ones of earth. He yearned to relieve them all. Christ yearns to relieve you. Christ yearns. He really yearns to relieve you. He yearned to relieve them all. But even his hand might not turn back the tide of women who. Few would seek their only source of help. He was willing to pour out his soul unto death. Christ is willing to pour out his soul unto death. To bring salvation within their reach. But few will come to him that they might be, have life. Look at the condition of the world today. Christ is willing. He was willing to pour himself even unto death. He was willing to die and he died. Not, not only was he willing, but he went ahead and died. But few, but few. He was willing to pour out his soul unto death. To bring salvation with, within their reach. But few will come to him that they might be saved. Very few come to him that they might be saved. Are you among the few that come to, but uh, it says that, uh, but few but few will come to him that they might be saved. Very many don't come to him. Are you among the many or among the few that will come to him? The majesty of heaven in tears, the son of infinite God, troubled in spirit, bowed down with anguish. The sin filled all heaven with wonder. That sin reveals to us the exceeding sinfulness of sin. Sin is sinfulness. Sin is exceedingly sinful. He says, it shows how hard a task it is even for infinite power, to save the guilty from the consequences of transgressing the law of God. There are consequences of transgressing the law of God. He says, Jesus, looking down to the last generation, saw the world involved in a deception similar to that which caused the destruction of Jerusalem. Now look at the applications now. He says, Jesus, doing what? Looking down to the last generation, our generation, saw the world involved in a deception similar to that which caused the destruction of Jerusalem. Jesus, looking down, he saw your condition, he saw you. He saw you maybe involved in a condition, in a deceived condition, which is similar to that which was upon what? Jerusalem. He says, the great sin of the Jews was their rejection of Christ. The great sin of Christian world would be their rejection of the law of God. Have men rejected the law of God the way the Jews rejected Jesus Christ? Yes. How many do you hear saying that uh, the Sabbath is not, is, not, is not the Saturday Sabbath? How many do you hear? And it's very clear from the word of God. That remember the Sabbath day and keep you holy. Saturday Sabbath. How many have rejected that law? How many people are walking in polygamy? 
against the 7th commandment? How many people are working in multiple affairs against the 7th commandment? How many people are committing bold robberies? Not only bold robberies, how many people are stealing with their pens in the offices against the, 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 the commandments of God? How many people are bowing down to, to, to images? Just go in the world and look. How many people are, are bowing down to worship cows? How many people are, 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 are desire the, the wives of their neighbors, the husbands of their neighbors? How many people are walking in lust? How many people are bearing false witness? That is the condition of the world today. And it says that as the Jews rejected Jesus Christ back then, so is the world today by rejecting the laws of God. It says, the foundation of his government in heaven and earth. We are almost coming to, we are continuing. Look at this. It says, with the overthrow of Jerusalem, with the overthrow of Jerusalem, the disciples associated events of Christ's personal coming in temporal glory to take the throne of universal empire, to punish the impenitent Jews and to break from off the, to break from off the nation, the Roman yoke. The Lord had told them that he would come the second time. Hence, at the mention of the judgments upon Jerusalem, their minds reverted to that coming and they were gathered about the Savior as they were gathered. Let us take that again. Let us take that again. He says, With the overthrow of Jerusalem, the disciples associated the events of Christ's personal coming in temporal glory to take the throne of universal empire, to punish the impenitent Jews and to break from off the nation of, of, of the Roman yoke. Remember the Jews, they had anticipated a temporal, uh, a temporal kingdom. That's why Christ time and again reminded that my kingdom is not of this world. They knew that when Christ came for the first time, he came them to save them from the, 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 from the yoke of the Roman power. He says, the Lord had told them that he will come the second time. Hence, at the mention of the judgments upon Jerusalem, their minds reverted to that coming, and they were gathered up about the Savior upon the Mount of Olives. They asked, When shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of their coming and of the end of the world? But remember, when they were saying the sign of their coming, they thought that was his temporal coming to save them from the yoke of the, of, of the Roman Empire. But far other thoughts occupy the mind of Jesus Christ. When he talked about his coming, he talked about his second coming at the end of, 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 of ages. That's why we know very well that this prophecy that we find in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse number 3, this prophecy which he uttered was twofold in its meaning. While foreshadowing the destruction of Jerusalem, the prophecy that foreshadowed the destruction of Jerusalem was twofold in nature. It also prefigured also the terrors of the last great day. And that's why the condition of the people in, in Jerusalem back then prefigures the condition of the world as we approach the second coming of Jesus Christ. The warnings that were, they were given are also warnings that we were, we were given. Their rejection of the word back then is the same rejection that we have of the word to, to, today. It says, Jesus declared to his listening disciples the judgment that were to fall upon apostate Israel, and especially the retributive vengeance that will come upon them for their rejection and crucifixion of Messiah. Unmistakable signs will precede the awful climax. Unmistakable signs will precede the awful climax of the destruction of Jerusalem. And very, very well, an awful signs are preceding the second coming, the approaching of the last great day of the Lord. There are unmistaken and awful, uh, uh, there are, there are mm, unmistakable signs. There are unmistakable signs, brethren, today. There are unmistakable signs that we see in the world today. It says, unmistakable signs will precede the awful climax. 
And this climax, about the second, uh, uh, which will be seen at the second coming of Jesus Christ, it is preceded by unmistakable signs. But many of us, we are blind to them the way the Jews were blind to these signs. Now, it says here that in the reign of Herod, Jerusalem was not only, had not only been greatly beautified, by, but by the erection of towers, walls, and fortresses, adding to the natural strength of its situation, it had been rendered apparently impregnable. He who would at this time have foretold publicly a destruction would, like Noah in his day, have been called a crazed alarmist. Look at the false security that they were in. Because of the beauty of Jerusalem, because it looked impregnable, even when Christ told them that this city will be destroyed, he appeared to them as a crazed alarmist. And the same way, these things, remember, they prefigure the condition of the world as the awful climax of the last great day of the Lord approaches. Today, if you tell men that this world will be destroyed at the second coming, there is an imminent destruction that is coming, you will appear to them as new. And they'll say, this man is a crazed alarmist. That is how lost they were. That is how blind they were. Because of hard hearts, because of sin. It continues and says this, that the Lord had declared by prophet Micah, go and read uh, uh, Micah 3, 9 to 11, what he had declared. But look at these conditions. And you look if you can see these things in the world today. He says, those words that, you, that are written in Micah 3, 9 to 11, those words faithfully describe the corrupt and self-righteousness inhabitants of Jerusalem. Those words faithfully describe the corrupt and self-righteous inhabitants of Jerusalem. Today we are in a world whereby men are not only corrupt, but they are self-righteous in their own eyes. The world is corrupt. The world is walking in self-righteousness. He says, while claiming to observe rigidly the precepts of God's law, they were transgressing all its principles. Its principles, And we see that in the world today. There are very many who are in the, in the religious world who are claiming to rigidly, not only claiming to observe, but they claim to rigidly observe. <laughs> By the way, which movement can be defined with this condition? Who claim to rigidly, they claim to rigidly observe the precepts of God's law. They were transgressing all its principles. Remember these people back then, they were Seventh-day Adventists. <laughs> they kept the Sabbath, they kept the law. They were Seventh-day Adventists by all intents and purposes. And this is a clear depiction of, 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 of some of the Seventh-day Adventists who claim to rigidly observe the precepts of, of, of God's law while they are transgressing all its principles. <laughs> Look at this. They claim to observe rigidly the precepts of God's law, yet they are transgressing all its principles. He says, they hated Christ because his purity and holiness revealed their iniquity. That's why they crucified him, crucified him because his character was a constant rebuke to, to, his, to their evil characters. He says, and they accused him of being the cause of all troubles. And the same way, go and read Great Controversy 5.89. The world will accuse those who live righteously as being the cause of all the troubles that you see in the world today. Do you see epidemics? Do you see pandemics? Do you see calamities? Do you see disasters? Do you see uh, earthquakes? All these will be claimed that those people who keep who, who obey God, they have brought this upon the world. But that's a study for another day. He says, Though they knew him to be sinless, they had declared that his death was necessary to their safety as a nation. If we let him thus alone, said the Jewish leaders, all men will believe on him. Look at why they killed Christ. They killed him and saying that if we don't kill him, all men will believe on him. <laughs> it is so sad. 
They said that we must kill Christ so that men do not believe in him. Do you understand what, what we are reading here? Christ must die so that all men should not believe in him. Because if we leave him alone, all men will believe in him. That is how lost Jerusalem was. He says, if we let him thus alone, said the Jewish leaders, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. That is John 11.48. Go and read John 11.48. They were so much uh, absorbed in their positions. They were so much absorbed in their positions. It says, Thus they reasoned, and they concurred in the decision of their high priest, that it will be better for one man to die than for the whole nation to perish. And same claims will be made against the remnants. Now, it continues and says, we are in page 27. We're almost coming to an end. We're almost coming to an end. We're in page 27. Now it says, Thus the Jewish leaders had built up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. That's a fulfillment of Micah 3.10. They had built up Zion with blood and with iniquity. He says, And yet, while they slew the Savior because he reproved their sins, such was their self-righteousness, and they regarded themselves as God's favored people and expected the Lord to deliver them from their enemies. Look, they crucified the Lord and still expect to be delivered from the enemies. They were in self-delusion. He says here that uh, uh, they had built Jerusalem with iniquity, and they had built Zion with blood. And the same way, many people, because of our sin, because of our rejection, because of our, of our character, we have built this world with blood. We have built this world with iniquity. And just like them, many of us are in self-righteousness, whereby we deny Christ, but still expect to be saved. And we have crucified him who was supposed to save us. He says, Therefore, continue the prophet, shall Zion for your sake be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem shall be heaps, and the mountain of the house, as the high places of the forest. These were, uh, were prophecies about the destruction of Jerusalem. But inasmuch as they read these prophecies, he who will save them, they kill him. They put him on the, on the, on the cross. Now he says, for nearly 40 years, after the doom of Jerusalem had been pronounced by Christ himself, the Lord delayed his judgments upon the city and nation. Wonderful was the long suffering of God towards the rejectors of his gospel and the murderers of his son. The parable uh, of, the, of, the, of the unfruitful tree represents God's dealing with, the, with, with that nation. But we will skip that. We go to this about the long suffering of God. The long suffering of God towards Jerusalem only confirmed the Jews in their stubborn impenitence. When God gave them time, they used that time to grow more impenitent. And that is the condition of a good number of us. God has given us time, but we use that time to grow more impenitent. <laughs> God has given us time, but we use that time to grow more impenitent. There are very many whom this time that the world has been, has been brought to a until, they will use that time to grow more impenitent. If they were drinking a bottle, they'll go back to the bars, to, to, to the bars after, this, after this calamity to drink now for a time that they would have used to seek the Lord. They use it to grow more in sin. He says, he says, then God withdrew his protection from them and removed his restraining power from Satan and his angels. And the nation was left to the control of the leader she had chosen. Destruction came upon them because they rejected Christ who would have saved them and they accepted Satan who came with the destruction. Who came with the destruction? They were chose Satan, he says. Then God withdrew his protection from them and removed his restraining power from Satan and his angels. And the nation was left to the control of the leader she had, she, had, she had chosen. Whenever you choose Satan, 
you choose destruction. He is the father of destruction. He is a murderer from the beginning. He says, go and read John chapter 8. You will see that. Her children had spun the grace of Christ, which would have enabled them to subdue their evil impulses. And now this became, became the conquerors. Satan aroused the fiercest and most debased passions of the soul. When we give ourselves to Satan, he will arouse the fiercest and most debased passions of the souls. When they were given to Satan, what happened? Men did not reason. Are we living in a world today where men do not reason? Yes. Where women do not reason? Yes. How do you know that? Just open your primetime news. Anytime, any time of the day after the Sabbath. Just open your primetime news. Look at the, at the news. You will understand that men today do not reason. This was the condition of Jerusalem. Because they had slighted the masses of God, because they had rejected God, he withdrew and led them to the controlling influence of the devil. He says this, that Satan aroused the fiercest and most debased passions of the soul. Men did not reason. They were beyond reason. And this, this world today, we see men who do not reason. They are beyond reason. Why? Because they have left Christ. They are serving the evil one. Controlled by impulse and blind rage, they became satanic in their cruelty. While they, they forsook, forsook protection, while they forsook Jesus Christ, they became what? It says here that they became satanic in their cruelty. Just open your prime time news any time of the day today. You will see men and women who have become satanic in their cruelty. We are living in a world which is so cruel, brethren, so cruel. That's why you, you, should, you should learn to mind your own business and follow after Jesus Christ. The world is so cruel today. Back then, Men will threaten that I'll harm you. Today they don't threaten, they harm you. Because many are given, have given their hearts, they have sold their, their hearts to the evil one. He says, in the family and in the nation, among the highest and the lower, lowest classes alike, there was suspicion, envy, hatred, strife, rebellion, murder. Why? They forsook Christ, they chose the evil one. And when Satan ruled, he says, in the families, do we see this today in the families of the world today who have chosen the evil one? Just open your primetime news any other time. You will see families. It says of the highest and of the lowest. You open your primetime news, you see people living in high-end estates, murdering each other, slaughtering each other in those very big mansions. You see people in the, in the, in the, in the slums murdering each other and slaughtering each other in those, in those, in those, in those, in those shanty houses. It says here that sin that has no respect for persons. It will embarrass those who are high class and it will embarrass those who are low class alike. He says, they became satanic in their cruelty, in their family and in the nation. Among the highest and the lowest class alike, there was suspicion. Do we see situations whereby in families there are suspicions? There is envy, there is hatred, there is strife, there is rebellion, there is murder. And go back to the news. You'll, you'll see news whereby they're saying that since the lockdown, <laughs> since the lockdown, domestic wars have, have increased. They're on their increase. Domestic, the domestic violence has been on the increase since the lockdown. And we see a fulfillment of these very conditions. It continues to say this, that parents slew their children. That was Jerusalem when they had rejected Christ and gave themselves to the evil one. Parents slew their children and children slew their parents. Do we see that in the world today? Yes. Why does that happen? Because men forsake Christ and they give themselves to the evil one. We see in the primetime news, in the newspaper, in the neighborhoods, parents slaying their own children, children slaying their own parents. 
because men have forsaken Jesus Christ. He says, the rulers of the people had no power to rule themselves. <laughs> Do we see this condition in the world today? Rulers who have no power to rule themselves. The rulers of the people had no power to rule themselves. Uncontrolled passion made them tyrants. Uncontrolled passion in the world today is making some rulers tyrants. Rulers who cannot rule themselves. Rulers who cannot overcome their, 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 their base impulse. Rulers who cannot, who cannot conquer, who cannot conquer the flesh. Who are given to, 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 to iniquity. Who are given to wine. Who are given to, to adultery. Who cannot conquer themselves. How will they rule if they cannot rule their own selves in this, in Jerusalem when they gave themselves to the, to the, to the, to the evil one? They could not rule themselves. And the same rulers could not rule the people. And they became tyrants. Now you understand why tyrants arise among the political scenes in this earth. Tyrants arise because they cannot rule themselves and they are turned into tyrants. Like the devil is a tyrant. Now he says this about the Jews. It says, The fear of God no longer disturbed them. When they were given to the evil one now, when they had forsaken, when they had slighted the, the one who had come to save them, the fear of God no longer disturbed them. Do we see these things in our streets? We are living in a world whereby the fear of God no longer disturbs people. People a good chunk of people today. Satan was the head of the nation. They had forsaken Christ. Christ had desired to protect them. Why was Christ weeping to protect them? He was weeping to protect them from the, the tyrant ruler, from the destroyer who comes to destroy and to kill. That's why Christ was weeping over them. That's why when Christ saw their condition, he wept. Why? He was weeping because they did not know what they were going to choose. He says here that the fear of God no longer disturbed them. Satan was at the head of the nation and the highest civil and religious authority were under his sway. The highest civil and religious authorities were under his sway. <laughs> That's why if you read, read Great Controversy, it says that the, the Jewish church had now was, was working on principles like the Roman church. Mm. A combination of church and state. You find that principle very well in the Jewish church. Why? Because Satan was the ruler of the nation. Satan was at the head. Satan was now at the head of the nation. And, and the highest civil and religious authorities were under his sway. When the highest civil and religious authorities become under the sway of the evil one, they'll give themselves to the evil one. The church and state will be combined. And that's why we know very well, why does the church and state combine? It is when the civil leaders and religious leaders and religious authorities give themselves to the evil one. He's the one who, 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 who rejoices in the combination of church and state. He says this. Now look, when the devil rules, look at what happens. We have seen what happens in the families when the devil rules. We have seen what happens in homes when the devil rules. There is envy. There is suspicion. There is strife. There is hatred. There is murder. And we see those very things. He says, the leaders of the opposing factions, both in the church and in the world, the leaders of the opposing faction at times united to plunder and torture their wretched their victims. Remember, he was, they had given themselves both in the highest civil and religious authorities, which means that even in the religious world, the leaders in the religious world of the opposing factions, the, 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 in the religious world, there are opposing factions in Jerusalem. And we see that very today. In the religious world, there are opposing factions. Not only are they opposing functions, but they are united to plunder and torture their wretched victims. There is a plunder and torture in the religious world. Had it been in, in, in the world alone, it would have been different, but it is also in the religious world. Why? Because men today have forsaken Christ the way Jerusalem forsaken whom? Forsook whom? Forsook Christ. He says, 
Even the sanctity of the temple could not restrain their horrible ferocity. And we see that today. The temple has lost its sanctity, whereby men fight in church, women fight in church, men stab each other in church, in the temple, in the, the sanctity, it, it has lost its sanctity. And these are the very sins that we saw in Jerusalem. Remember, we are starting about the destruction of Jerusalem when they forsook Christ and they gave devil the, that, 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 that rulership uh, to head them. He says, even the sanctity of the temple could not restrain their horrible ferocity. But remember, the devil was overcome, was over, over, overcame at the cross. The worshippers were stricken down before the altar, and the sanctuary was polluted with bodies of the slain. Look at when they gave Jerusalem, when Jerusalem forsook Christ and were given over to the tyrant ruler. He said that in the temple, in the temple, the worshippers were stricken down before the altar. They will track each other down before the altar. Do you see fighting churches today? Yes. When people fight, you know who is ahead of that. Yet in their blind and blasphemous presumption, the instigators of this hellish work publicly declared that they had no fear, they had no fear that Jerusalem will be destroyed, for it was God's own city. Do you find that today? Men fighting in church, but they publicly de declare that it's still the church of God, that God is still with them, that God will not destroy it. <laughs> it says this. To establish their power far more family, they bribed false false prophets to proclaim, even while Roman legions were besieging the temple, that the people were to wait for deliverance from God. Look at this. They hired prophets. They hired pastors. They hired elders to preach peace, peace. They fought, but after fighting, they hired prophets. They hired pastors, they sent pastors to schools, they sent people to school, they sent men of God to school to come and preach to people, peace, peace, peace. But beneath that peace, there were functions, there were factions, there were, there were, there were, there were killings, there was war even in church. Do we see these things, brethren, or, or, or we, we are just reading them? Do you see these things? Yes. Men fight. After they fight, they hire people to come and preach peace and say that still God is working with us, God is working with us. He says, we're almost coming to an end. Signs and wonders appeared, foreboding disaster and doom. In the midst of the night, an unnatural light shone over the temple. God, before Jerusalem was destroyed, they were given bold signs. That's why Great Controversy 29 says that signs and wonders appeared before Jerusalem was destroyed. We know very well that Jerusalem was destroyed. But before it was destroyed, signs and wonders were given. He says, signs and wonders appeared, foreboding disaster and doom. In the midst of the night, an unnatural light shone over the temple and the altar. This was a sign. At night, there was, a, there was an unnatural light. This night was supposed to warn them. This, this light, this, this unnatural sign, this sign and wonder, sorry for that. Signs and wonders appeared, foreboding disaster and, and, and doom. In the midst of the night, an unnatural light shone over the temple and the altar. But they did not see that. The same way we are so blind to the signs of the second coming of Jesus Christ. We have seen, uh, 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 we have seen very bold signs. He says, Upon the clouds at sunset were pictured chariots and men of war gathering for battle. Look at this sign. In that city, in that evening, he says, Upon the clouds at sunset were pictured chariots of men of war gathering for battle. But that did not still awaken them. 
There are very bold signs today in this world as, a, as, been, as has been enumerated in the book of Matthew 24. But those signs still don't awaken us. It says, The priests missing by night in the sanctuary were terrified by mysterious sounds. Look at all these signs that people were given. But still they were destroying Jerusalem. Priests ministering by night in the sanctuary were terrified by mysterious sounds. The earth trembled and a multitude of voices were crying, Let us depart hence. Let us depart hence. The great eastern gate, which was so heavy that it could hardly be shut by a score of men, and which was secured by immense bars of iron, fastened deep in the pavement of solid stone, opened at midnight without visible agency. Look at these signs. The, gate, the eastern gate in Jerusalem, which could only be, be, be opened or closed by, 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 by men, by a, score, by a score of men, by more than a score of men, by a score of men, opened without a visible agency. But they did not ask themselves, who opened this gate? They did not ask themselves, where do these sounds come from? They did not ask themselves, why is, there, why is the earth trembling? Because he says the earth trembled. All these boys awaken anything in them the same way in this world today very bold signs they don't awaken us but look at this there's something very important here look at this there was a man in jerusalem never forget the account of this man page uh, 30 for seven years a man continued to go up and down the streets of jerusalem declaring the woes that were to come upon that city by day and by night he chanted the wild dirge a voice from the east, a voice from the west, a voice from the winds, a voice against Jerusalem and against the temple, a voice against the bridegrooms and the brides, a voice against the people. This strange being was imprisoned and scourged, but no complaint escaped his lips. There's a man here who even suffered for preaching the destruction of Jerusalem. Why? Remember back then, because of the security that they were in, anybody who would preach that Jerusalem will be destroyed, Will be will be will appear as a crazed alarmist the way the way people looked at no but there was this man who even suffered who was even tortured because he preached the because he preached the word of God he says this he was even tortured he said this uh, it says that uh, this strange being was imprisoned and scourged but no complaint escaped his lip he was willing to suffer for the cause of Christ to warn these people about the destruction of Jerusalem he says to insult and abuse he answered only, Woo Jerusalem. Ah, he, was, he was insulted, but Woo Jerusalem. He was slapped, but he, he did not slap back. He said, Woo Jerusalem. Woo to the inhabitants thereof. His warning cry. Look at this. Look at this statement. This strange being, this strange man, his warning cry ceased not until he was slain in the siege he had foretold. A very sad condition. For seven years, he was willing to suffer for the gospel. He was willing to be tortured. He did not, he did not abuse, but he was destroyed in the very destruction that he warned about. Why? The next chapter will tell us why he was destroyed. The next chapter opens. Not one Christian perished in the destruction of Jerusalem. So this man, in, a, in as much as he was preaching, in as much as he was, he was, he was prophesying, he was not a Christian because he was destroyed. And the next chapter opens, not one Christian perish in the destruction of Jerusalem. Might that be your condition? Might that be my, my condition? That I'll warn the world 
I'll bear the third angel's message. I'll give the message and warn the world of the coming destruction and warn men and women against the, the, the beast and his image and his mark in the right hand in the forehead. But when this world will be destroyed, I'll be destroyed in it. A very sad condition. That will only happen if you're not a Christian because he says, not one Christian perish in the destruction, which means in the destruction of Jerusalem, which means that this man was not a Christian, though he had the message. And that takes us to the book of 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 says, verse number 1, For though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, though we speak with the tongue of angels, though we speak the tongue of the first, second, and third angels' message, and though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling symbol. This man was just a sounding brass. Maybe this man was just a tinkling symbol. Do you know a tinkling symbol? When you after after this preaching, go and take a sufria and take a a, a a cooking stick and hit hit the sufria. It will give you the noise of a tinkling symbol. Symbol. So is someone who will bear the, the 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 message of angels, first, second, and third angels' message, but does not have charity, does not have the love of Christ in him, does not have the love of his brother or sister in him. You are just but noise. You are just but making noise. Verse two. And though I have the gift of prophecy. Though this man could, could, could preach about the coming destruction of Jerusalem, prophecy, and understand all mysteries, though he understood this mystery about the destruction, though we understand the mystery of godliness, though we can preach to people about the mystery of iniquity and warn them against it, and have all knowledge, and though we have all faith, so that we could remove mountains and have not charity, we are nothing. We are nothing. Let not the condition of this strange being in Jerusalem be our condition. He says, not one Christian perish in Jerusalem. Christ had given his disciples warning. And all who believed his word, watch for the promised sign. When he shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, said Jesus, then know that the destruction thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it, of it depart out. We see signs. When you see church and state coming together, when you see the papacy assuming its rule that it lost, when his, wounded, when his head was wounded in 1798, let those who are in Jerusalem flee to the mountains. Awake, destruction is nigh. Again, he says, uh, the Jewish forces, mm, no, let us not read that, let us read uh, this, that the Roman, the Roman leaders endeavor to strike terror to the Jews. Now, this is a destruction of Jerusalem now. When the Roman, the Roman leaders now came against Jerusalem, look at what happened. Look at how, how, how awful this destruction was. He says, the Roman leaders endeavored to strike terror to the Jews and thus caused them to surrender. Those prisoners who, who resisted when, when taken were scourged, tortured, and crucified before the wall of the cities. When the Roman army came against Jerusalem, this is what Christ was warning them against. Remember, not even a single Christian was destroyed. They flew to the mountains. But those who were found, he says this, those prisoners who resisted when taken were scourged, tortured, and crucified before the wall of the city. Hundreds were daily put to death in this manner. And the dreadful work continued until along the valley of Jehoshaphat and Calvary, crosses were erected in so great numbers that there was scarcely room to move among them. Look at how awful that destruction was. He says many people were crucified that there was no room to move among the crosses. We know that uh, one of the elements of torture of the, of, of, the Roman, of the Roman people was the cross. 
at the destruction of Jerusalem, so many people were, were, were crucified that there was no room to move among them. Look at that scene. Imagine that stench of dead bodies. So many that you could not even move among, so many crosses that you could not even move among them. That is how cruel the Roman power was. And that's how cruel the Roman element is. And that's how cruel it will be when it will be revived fully again. He says, so terrible was visited that awful imprecation uttered before the judgment seat of, of Pilate. His blood be on us and our children. Remember, uh, when Christ was taken before Pilate, the Jews refused Jesus. They said, no other king do we have other than whom? Caesar. They said, crucify him and let his blood be on us and on our children. <laughs> it found a fulfillment when they desire that blood to be upon them and their children at the destruction of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. The Jews had forged their own fetters. And that's, that, that, that again, those who will get lost at the end of this world, those who will be destroyed in the last destruction of this world, in the last great and dreadful day, they will have forged their own fetters because what has Christ not done to you? What has Christ not done to the world? When the world will be lost, it will be lost because it chose to be lost. He says, the Jews had fought their own fetters. They had, filled the, they had filled for themselves the cup of vengeance. Will you be lost? You will be lost because you chose to be lost. Will, if this world is lost, it will be lost because it chooses to be lost. In the utter destruction that befell them as a nation, and in all the woes that followed them in their, in the, in their dispersion, they were but reaping the harvest of their own hands, their own hands had sown. Many of us, who will be lost? Those will be lost. They'll be lost because they'll have chose. They will have made their own lost condition. By stubborn rejection of divine love and mercy, the Jews had caused the protection of God to be withdrawn from them and Satan was permitted to rule them according to his will. That's why we saw all these conditions. The horrible cruelties enacted in the destruction of Jerusalem are a demonstration of Satan's vindictive power over those who yield to his, co his control. If you yield to the control of Satan, you will lose your family. You will, you, you will lose your self-control. You will, you, will, you will lose peace. It says, we cannot know how much we owe to Christ for the peace and protection which we enjoy. We don't know how much we owe him for the peace and protection that we enjoy. Had it not been for Jesus Christ, we will not have been here. The buildings will have fallen on us. The, the floods will have swallowed us. The pandemic will have, will, have, will, have, will, have, will, have, will have slayed all of us. We don't know how much we owe to Christ for the peace and protection which we enjoy. It is the restraining power of God that prevents man, mankind from passing fully under the control of Satan. Inasmuch as we see his cruelty sin, it is still the divine mercy that holds us from being submerged under, his, under the devil's cruel rule. He says, the disobedient and unthankful have great reason for gratitude for God's mercy. The disobedient, you who, are, who is disobedient, you who is unthankful, you still have great reason for gratitude for God's mercy. <laughs> there are thieves whom God has still protected from, from, from the pandemic. There are adulterers whom still God has protected from the pandemic. There are drunkards who still God has protected from the pandemic. And you will see them after the pandemic, God willing, if it comes to pass. They'll still go back to their own crimes. Who kept them? <laughs> It is God. God is merciful, long-suffering. He says, God does not stand towards the sinner 
as an executioner of sentence against transgression, but he leaves the rejecters of his mercy to themselves to reap that which they have sown. Highlight that. God does not stand towards the sinner as, a, as, as an executioner of the sentence against transgression, but he leaves the rejecters of his mercy to themselves to reap that which they have sown. Every ray of light rejected, every warning despised or unheeded, every passion indulged, every transgression of the law of God is a seed sown which yields its unfailing harvest. The Spirit of God, persistently resisted, resisted, is at last withdrawn from the sinner, and then there is left no power to control the evil passions of the soul, and no protection from the malice and enmity of Satan. The destruction of Jerusalem is a fearful and solemn warning of all who are trifling with the offers of divine grace and resisting the pleadings of divine mercy. Never was, was, was there given a more decisive testimony to God's hatred of sin and to the certain punishment that will fall upon the guilty. The Savior's prophecy concerning the visitation of Jerusalem upon the visitation of judgments upon Jerusalem is to have another fulfillment. The destruction of Jerusalem, the condition of Jerusalem is to have another fulfillment, he says, on which that terrible desolation was but a faint shadow. That, 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 that shadow whereby men were crucified until there was no space to move among the crosses is faint compared to the condition <laughs> In the fate of the chosen city, we may behold the doom of a world that has rejected God's mercy and trampled upon his law. His law. Dark are the record of human misery that the earth has witnessed during the long centuries of crime. Remember the dark ages. The heart sickens and the mind grows faint in contemplation. Terrible have been the results of rejecting the authority of heaven, but a sin yet darker is presented in the revelations of the future, but a sin yet darker is represented in the revelations of the future. The record of the past, the long procession of tumults, conflicts, and revolutions. By the way, do you see these things? <laughs> when was this written? It was written far back then. These were things that were written far back then. Uh, it says the records of the past, the long, the long processions of tumults, conflicts and evolution, the battle of the warrior with confused noise and garments of royal blood. What are these in contrast with the terrors of that day when the restraining spirits of God shall be wholly withdrawn from the wicked, no longer to hold in check the outburst of human passion and satanic wrath? Do we see a test of these things? Do we see tumults? Do we see strikes? Do we see demonstrations? Do we see conflicts? Do we see revolutions? But what are these? What are these in contrast with the terrors of that day when the restraining spirit of God shall be wholly withdrawn from the wicked? No longer to hold in check the outburst of human passion and satanic wrath. The world will then behold, as never before, the results of Satan's rule. The world will behold, as never before, the results of Satan's rule. But in that day, as in the time of Jerusalem destruction, God's people will be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written among the living. Do we have hope? Yes, we have hope. Why? But in that day, as in the time of Jerusalem's destruction, God's people will be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written among, among the living.
the last paragraph. Let men beware. Let you beware. Let me beware. Let they neglect the lesson conveyed to them in the words of Christ. As he warned, as he warned, as he, as he warned his disciples of, of Jerusalem's destruction, giving them a sign of the approaching ruin, that they might make their escape. Please let us make our escape. So he has warned the world of the day of final destruction, and has given them, has given us tokens of its approach, that all who may flee from the wrath to come, Jesus declares, there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth is stress of nations. Luke 21, 25, Matthew 24, 29, Mark 13, 24, 26, Revelation 6, 12, 17. Those who behold these harbingers of his coming are to know what, are to know that it is near even at the doors. Watch ye there for brethren. Watch ye there for brethren are his words of admonition that they that heed the warning shall not be left in darkness. Hear the warning, and you shall not be left in darkness. Hear the warning, and you shall not be left in the destruction that is coming upon the universe. He says, they that heed the warning shall not be left in darkness, that that, that day should come, over, should overtake them unawares. But to them that will not watch, the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Please let us watch. God is long-suffering. I'm sure... Even you yourself, you know that God has suffered so long with you. Had it not been his grace, maybe you will not have been alive today. But this chance, what do you use it? Please use it to come back to him and be under the care of his divine masses. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing of the Sabbath. Let us watch and wait so that this destruction that is coming upon the universe, they say the way we saw that type in the destruction of Jerusalem, should not find us unaware as Heavenly Father. As we see these signs, as a church and the set come together, Heavenly Father, in that, uh, in that false relationship, Heavenly Father, in that illicit affair, Heavenly Father, we pray that may you help us see our condition, Heavenly Father, and choose you, but forsake the antitypical Caesar, Heavenly Father. This wonderful Sabbath, as we continue in it, we ask of you that may you be with us, may you bless us, Heavenly Father, May you help us, Father God, so that we don't despise and misuse your prophecies, Heavenly Father, and your prophets, Heavenly Father, so that we don't mock, Father God, the words that you have sent us, Father God, for our own salvation, Heavenly Father. Be with us now, Heavenly Father. May that, let us make good use of the chance that you have given us to amend our ways. All this we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. God bless you all. God bless you all. Amen and amen and happy Sabbath.